So Genesis chapter 1. All right, Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas, and God saw that it was good. And God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to roll over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, Let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds. Livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. 
And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that's on the face of the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. Chapter 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all of his work that he had done in creation. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Amen. Thank you. All right, so if you had to sum up Genesis chapter 1 and a little bit in a word, what would it be? Say it louder. Creation. 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 That is what most of the books that I read this week said, and that's what most people would say. But after meditating on it this week, and if you had had the chance to join me this week in meditating on it and reading it over and over again, I think you would say that you are not quite sure if that is really why God wrote Genesis chapter 1. I'm not sure that he wrote it to tell us about creation. I think God's goal in writing Genesis 1 is for us to stand amazed at him, not at his creation. I think his goal in writing this is that we would see him in his vast, eternal powerful, creative greatness as we read this. These are the very first words of God. And here we have the very first words about God. And here there is much for us to behold about God. So let me explain the approach we're going to take this morning. I've told you guys before, and you already know that I'm a pretty simple person. I'm not the smartest tool in the shed. Sharpest. Cool. See, there you go. I can't even make an analogy about my unsharpness. I think God kind of made me that way because I don't get distracted often by deeper things because I just get caught up in the simple stuff that's on the surface. Okay, that's kind of where I'm coming from. And I've always been that way. I think I've told you guys before, I went through, don't, don't uh, use this as an example, kids, but from kindergarten through high school, I only read two books successfully, Runaway Ralph and The Mouse and the Motorcycle. Go Beverly Cleary. And I like Runaway Ralph and the Mouse and the Motorcycle. Here's why. Runaway Ralph. You've got a mouse, and his name is Ralph. And what's he going to do? Run away. It's simple. It's there. There's no distraction. It's in the title. You've got the mouse and the motorcycle. Simple and clear. You've got a mouse, and he's got a motorcycle. There's no distraction. The title tells the story. Unlike books I had to read later in high school or attempted to read, like The Grapes of Wrath. Where you expect to find grapes that are, right? Or Lord of the Flies. I'm looking for a boy with a jar of flies that he's lording over. I love Beverly Cleary. Simple, clear, no distractions. And I think the same is true for Genesis 1. It is meant to be simple and clear with no distractions. Yet I think we, the church, get distracted by 
the order in which these things took place. I don't think that's the point. We can get caught up in are these literal days or figurative days. I don't think that's why God wrote it. We can get sidetracked by dinosaurs and were they here and if they were what day and where they go that is not the point of genesis 1 my friends we get distracted and then we miss the blatant and obvious things god is telling us here about god we can miss the point god is telling us through repetition there's repetition in this that is so easy for us to miss so Anybody have an idea what the most repeated word is in these first verses that were read this morning? I'm not going to make you count, and I'm not trying to trick you in any way, but the word is God. (laughs) God. So look at verse 1 with me. Let me just tease this out for a moment. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light and there was light and God saw that the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and he called the darkness night and there was evening and there was morning and the first day and God said, and it goes on, verse 7, God made Verse 8, God called. Verse 9, God said, and you keep going. God called, God called, God said, God saw. God saw, God said, God made, God set, God saw, God said, God created, God saw, God blessed, God said, God made, God saw, God said, God said, God God created, God created, God created, God said, God said, and God saw. And yet we read it. And we don't realize that this is about God. (laughs) It's about God. So for those of you that maybe don't believe me or what I just read, let's see what a word cloud of Genesis chapter 1 would tell us. You guys know how word clouds work? This is computer generated, so this can't lie, right? (laughs) Because we know computers never lie. So a word cloud takes all the words in a section of Scripture And it tells you, based on font size, what word is used the most. What word is used the most? God. So I'm arguing this morning that Genesis chapter 1 exists for God. God, the author of Genesis, wrote it to make sure that the reader, through repetition, would know that this story is about God. God wrote these verses, and they are God-centered and God-saturated because God is God-centered and God-saturated, and God wants us to see these verses are about God more than anything else. This story exists, I believe, to teach us about God before it exists to teach us anything about creation. You catch that? Because that's not... Typically, the approach is taken to Genesis 1. Typically, the story is about creation, not about the God who created everything. And so here, I think, God is revealing a feast for your soul about himself. So you will see him truly, love him passionately, and rejoice in him fully. Listen, these verses shout, God! (laughs) 
While too often Christians get caught up in whether day is literal or a time period, it screams, look at God, behold God, not is the earth young or is the earth old. This passage shouts and screams a boatload of glorious and amazing things about God. Some of them are more on the surface and explicit to see. Some are hidden and a little more difficult to find, but they're there. Now, I want to make sure that we're on the same page here, that you're tracking with me, and that this is just just my perspective, or just because the word God is used more often, but I want to show you three other places I go in Scripture that help me to see that Genesis 1 is about God and his glory more than it's about his creation, that creation exists for his glory, and that we don't just read it about creation. So Genesis 19 is going to go on the screen. I just want to show you three verses very quickly. You know these verses, but these are so helpful reminders for us. So Psalm 19 says this, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. How much more do we have on there? There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. Creation exists to speak something, to declare something, to proclaim something, to reveal something. Creation is a voice. And the voice isn't, look at us. What is it for? It points to God. So Genesis 1, I think right out of the gate, points to God. Because all of creation exists to point to God. Another place I go is Romans 1. Romans 1, verse 18, says this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them. So people are suppressing the truth. They don't want to know God. God says, but it's plain to them because God has shown it to them. How has God shown his existence to them? For, verse 20, his invisible attributes. They're invisible. You can't see them. Namely, his eternal power and his divine nature, or his eternal power and his godness, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. So God's got these invisible attributes that we wouldn't know. So what does God do? He says, I'm going to make them visible. How? By creating stuff. So you see the stuff and you go, That's, that teaches me about God. This is about God. Creation exists for this purpose, to help invisible things about God to become visible. And then Revelation 4.11 says this, Worthy are you, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power. Why is God worthy? For, here's why, you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. So do you understand? I'm I'm building an argument here based on repetition in the God in the passage and these scriptures that Genesis 1, what happens in Genesis 1 and Genesis 1 being recorded is for the purpose of us seeing things about God that would otherwise be hidden. That would cause us to say, worthy are you to receive glory and honor and praise and power. That's what the anthem should be that echoes over Genesis chapter 1. Okay, so hopefully that gets us now going in the same direction. Genesis 1 exists, so God will receive glory, honor, and praise. 
And of course, we can also go to Jesus and all the times he went to creation to show us things about God and God's kingdom, because that's why they exist. All right, so a little more participation from us together. Be community group time. So God is the word that's used the most. There also were, and you guys were saying them, and you were right, there's other phrases that are repeated more than others. And I want us to see if we can pull out a couple of those more repeated phrases so that we can see things about God that would otherwise be hidden. All right, so look, look or remember, since we read it and you guys are paying attention, what are some of the other phrases? I'm, I am looking for three, but that doesn't mean your answers aren't going to be wrong. It just means I'm looking for three, and when I hit the three, we're going to talk about them. Okay, does that make sense? So there's no wrong answer. What, what, what did you see as repetitious phrases here? Isaac, what did you hear? Okay, good. And God saw that it was good. So we're going to hold on to that one. That's one of the ones I'm looking for. All right. Others, what? Kelly. God called. Okay, so God is calling things something. Good. What else? Excellent. So there's, there's, uh, there's days cycling through of some kind. No, you don't need to do this. Thank you, babe. What others? God. Good. Good, good. And what's it say right before every one of those? Let theirs. Good. And God said, let there. And God said, let there. So I want to tease that one out first. It, that's over and over again. God said, let there be. 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 And that's over and over and over again. So just, let's just stop there for a second. What do you learn about God from that? Oh, there's probably a hundred things. Yeah, just at face value. He speaks. He speaks. All right, so let's do this. Can you put that sentence up that I wrote? Or I'll, I'll say it. Let me, this, I, I want to do this especially for you guys that are younger in here so you track what's going on as we read these verses. If I, can you figure it out? Yeah, I don't know how to do it either. I don't know how to do it either, so. All right. Project. Project. All right, forget it. Forget it. All right, here, here engage with me for a moment. If I said, there we go. If I said, Matt wore a blue shirt when he hit the home run, you would know some things about Matt, right? What would you know? He hit a home run. He has a blue shirt on. And he wears clothes. And you know he has a name. So you know his name. You know that he has a blue shirt. And you know he hit a home run. But what else has to be true if Matt's going to hit a home run? What else do you know about me that's not right in that sentence? Okay, what did I have with me? Uh, He had a bat. So that doesn't say that, does it? But you know I had a bat. What else does it say about me? That I have, I had arms. Unless I held the bat of my teeth, I have arms. Right? So there's things, you understand where I'm trying to go with this? There's things you learn from that sentence about me that are plain and obvious on the page of the scripture. Then there's things that you learn that aren't, but you know have to be true if I hit a home run. So that's where we're going. So some of the things you guys are going to answer in the next couple of minutes are going to be things you're going to go, oh, obviously. And then some you're going to go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. So so we, you guys just said, so God said, let there be. So God said, let there be. So we know that God speaks, but because the next sentence, the next repetitive one that I wrote down is, I don't know if you guys caught it, and it was so, is in there a bunch of times. And it was so. So God speaks, and it was so. God speaks, and it was so. So now we can go down the road. I think Janet said, now we know there's something going on when God speaks. 
it has what? Power. Yeah, something happens when God speaks. So, so yes, God speaks, he says, and let there be. And when he does say that, it says, and it was so. Okay, kids in the room, listen, I want you to answer this one. And then every time God looks at what he creates, what does he say about it? It's good. Excellent. He says it is good. So I build something from this. God said, let there be. And it was so. God saw that it was good. So it's like God said it happened. God saw that it was good. That to me builds a title for the sermon. Jordan, you don't have to try to find a title. Here it is. Here we go. We're going to build it together. You've got a God who speaks. It happens. And when he sees it, it's good. So I conclude then, let's just tease it together. When God speaks, what kind of stuff happens? Good stuff happens. When God speaks, good stuff happens. I mean, that could really just be the title of Genesis 1. God speaks, good stuff happens. There's authority in what God says. All right, now we can go back up to verse 1 for a moment. And we're going to kind of work our way through some of this more. And we're going to basically build a... A, a deeper understanding of God's invisible attributes by looking at what he does. Got it? So Genesis 1, verse 1, there's a whole sermon in these first four words. In the beginning, God. All right, so let's just stop there for a second. What does that tell us about God? He was already there at the beginning. So we could say God is eternal. What else was there with God before that beginning? Nothing we know about. So therefore, I would say that God is independent. He doesn't need anybody or need anything. He exists completely on his own. So he is eternal. He is independent. So in the beginning, God, and there's many more things we could say about that. What did God do? In the beginning, God created Good. He created the heavens and the earth. So we know that God is a, he's a creator. God creates things. God loves to create things. And he creates them in two spheres, if you will. One is in heaven and the other is on this earth that we're on right now. So I was thinking about that reality this week. And I was just going, all right, I think I don't stand amazed enough of the reality that right now I'm standing on a big ball suspended in space, alive and surviving with the oxygen I need, the food I need, the heat I need, the air, everything I need. And I was thinking, what if I told you guys today, and I said, all right, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go home, and I want you to get two spheres of some kind. You can make them out of anything you want. But in the end, one of them has to be 70% water. That's the earth, 71% water. And 39% earth. See the math? 29%. Just make sure you guys are paying attention. So somehow you've got to create a... If I just said just do that, I want you just to create a sphere of some kind. And I want it to be 70% water and I want it to be 29% dirt. And then all I want you to do is just suspend it in the air. That's all I want you to do. Just suspend it. Hang it there for just a little while for me. I mean, that's like the very basics of the earth, is it not? And we can't do that. 
And then if I said, and then I want you to make another one, and, and this one I want you to make it hot. And I want to make it hot enough so that it keeps the cricket that you're going to put on your little ball earth alive. Don't worry about the food, just the temperature has to be right. So make a self-sustainable heated ball and figure out how you're going to keep it the right distance from your little earth ball that you're going to make that's somehow floating in space. You've got to figure that out. And is mostly water, a little bit of earth. And I'd like the cricket to have some sleeping time, so could you figure out a way to make night and day? So go, everybody go do it. You can use all the materials you want. And I was just thinking, do you see the insanity and the impossibility and the amazement of what God has done? I mean, think about it. Just think about it. It's insane. I, don't, I am not a scientist. I don't understand all that kind of stuff. But I have been told that there are, that if the earth was, what, a half a second closer to the, or whatever, half an inch closer to the sun, we'd all burn up. And if it's just a tiny bit further away, we'd all freeze to death. And you got night and day and an earth that God's spinning on an axis while everything else is going around it. I'm sorry, but the little thing we made with the coat hangers and the planets doesn't do it justice. <laughs> Unless you can build one that floats in space on its own and inhabits life. Because <laughs> that's what God did. And then make it a billion times bigger. <laughs> so in the beginning, God created, it says, the heavens and the earth. He created it all. Now what I want to do here is I want to again get us just to be thinking. You, you, you read the story so you know all the things that God creates. right? We know all the things that God creates. I mean, you go outside and you take a walk and you can see all the things God creates. You watch the, the Tyler's favorite show, the BBC, Planet Earth and Blue Planets and all of those. And, and you can see what God created. And, and it is absolutely mind-blowing. I mean, if you've not watched one of those shows lately, you've got to watch them. We just watched them. What's it called? I forget when, when that one's called. It was another newer one. You know, now they've got super-duper high-def camera, this and that. And so, like, you're inside the bug's nose looking at, like, it's insane. But you've got to watch it. You, you cannot watch that and not stand in awe of God. And that's the point of creation, that <laughs> so we stand in awe of him. So I just want you to think for a moment about all of those different things. Genesis 1, and think for a moment about all the other things that we know about God or we learn about God just from these things verses. And so you've got, he forms things that had no form, verse 1. They were void and they were dark. So God comes to this place where there's no form, things are void, and there's darkness. And what does he do? What does he do to the darkness? He gives light. Good. What does he do with the void, the emptiness? He fills it. Yeah, he fills it up. What does he do with things that have no form? He shapes them. Yeah, he gives them form. So God is a God who takes chaos and he brings it into order. He takes formless things and he gives them form. He fills voids. He lights up darkness. So there's just a, just a few other things. All right, now back, back to big picture Genesis. What are other things we see about God? Let's talk about the things that are obvious, like Matt had a blue shirt when he hit the home run. Let's do those things first. Uh, yeah, forget it. They can write it down. We'll say them loud. I was going to try to write them all down for us on the screen, but let's just say them and you guys can write them down. So look at the text. What other things that are just obvious on the pages of Scripture, not even reading into it? Does that make sense? What other things we learn about God? 
Okay, so he's, he, he names things. He gives things name. Good. He assesses, he, he assesses the value of things. Okay. Okay, good. So there's, he, he's spirit, and, and it's a hovering spirit. Good. Or he is a hovering spirit. He has purpose for his creation. So he's a God of purpose. God's not random. Go ahead, Jim. Yeah, he governs it. Good. There is crazy variety. I mean, you could leave one of these days out, couldn't you? He could say, let's forget the animal thing. Let's just do the bird thing or the fish thing. or the, You know what I mean? Like, yeah, so he's got that going. What else? Say it. He has an order and a plan. Ah, he gives light. Verse 22, what's something else we know about God? Ah, he blesses. I mean, if you knew nothing about God and you just dropped into this passage, you would have no idea what he's like unless you read this. We just assume, of course, he blesses. No, it says he blesses. That's really good news for creation, is it not? (laughs) And he's going to say it again over in verse 29. Nope, verse 28, he says he blesses them. In verse 29, he says he's going to give them what? Food. He's generous. That's a good word. He's generous. Are there other things you see that are just... He is creative. He sees. Everything has a purpose. He's thought of everything. He has. He's got game. Aha, he finishes. He, so he's, he's able to get his to-do list done. And what else does he do then after he, fin- he rests? Yeah, we'll talk about that in a couple weeks. But yeah, he rests. Because he's so exhausted from all that work. Doesn't say that, does it? He rests. All right, now let's read between the lines a little bit. Think about some of the specific things God created and see if they tell you anything else about God. Good. Excellent. Good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Think with me how creation functions. There's order. Good, good. I'll use the word. If I'm wrong, please just... um, Ecosystem. Is that the right word that I'm thinking of? I'm thinking about that as as you guys are talking, like how one thing needs the other thing and the other thing needs what that has and how they all work together. Yeah, that would have been bad. (laughs) But he could (laughs) have. He has an eternal plan. 
We're going to get to that in a second. Good. Good. Sure. Good. So he took special care. Yeah. There's something unique about the man and the woman, isn't there? Yeah, that's going to stand out. So we know this God is spirit. He hovers and somehow he's one God, but now there's more than one of him somehow. And this is the way that this is the way the Old Testament evolves, right? It, it flows out like God gives you this little teeny thing about himself. And then as scripture keeps going and the story of redemption keeps playing out, we got to see a clearer and clearer and clearer and clearer picture of why it says us in Genesis chapter one. Yes. Good hierarchy. Yep. And it's good. It's good. That wasn't like, oh, I got to have this anyway. No, it's good that there's hierarchy and there's a system that way. So let's put this in, um, let's put this in a little bit more human terms. I was thinking about what do we call someone, one of us, who's very creative? Yeah, we say they're an artist. So I would say God's an artist. That, I would say that. What do, you, what do you call someone who puts food together and brings it to people? I think God's a chef. Only, he only gives us things that are healthy for us, so he is a nutritionist. <laughs> He's a vegetarian. Uh, okay. <laughs> that, that might be the end of this sermon. <laughs> what other things does it take for God to create an earth that stays the right distance from a sun that has the right heat and the rotations and what is all that called? He's a scientist. He's an engineer. I would argue he's a mathematician. What do you call somebody who does gardening or loves, plant, loves plants? I was thinking of the word botanist. Is that not the right word? What about somebody who studies animals that are in the water? A marine biologist. Someone who studies stars. Astronomer. Not astrology. Somebody who goes to the zoo is a zoologist. So you start to think about how we categorize people, right? And so we get this list that, that God really is a physicist. He's a mathematician, a scientist, a, a marine biologist, a botanist, a nutritionist, an astronomer. He does it all. He, he, he gets it all. He's wise. Really wise. There's, yeah, there's no trial and error. Everything I do is trial and error. There's no trial and error. I see joy in this too. I don't know if you, I think, I feel like the Hallelujah Chorus should be playing as Renee was reading. Like, right? I mean, that, this is just, this is insanely joyful. I mean, God is doing stuff and things are happening and he's going, that's good and that's good. And I'll say some more and that's good. And this is, this is a, this is a Trinitarian party going on over the goodness of God and what God is doing. I also see, I was trying to think and I, I can't, but I even think there's humor. I mean, Aren't there some animals that just make you kind of laugh? A sloth? Yeah. An anteater? Like, what's up with that? An elephant with a big 
years. They're stuffed animals. What, what one? Yeah, all of those stuffed fish, you get down there, and there's some crazy... A platypus? I mean, seriously, why, God? Like, and we know why. What about the creepy things? He does. Spiders are good. Bugs are good. All that creeping stuff that creeps. The book of Genesis, God's entire Bible, begins with this. It begins with this. And I think it begins with this to set the stage for everything else that's going to happen. This chapter informs, should inform, how we read the rest of Genesis. Let me explain what I mean by that. I think this chapter sets the stage for how and why God has the right, the authority, and the invested interest to do everything he's going to do in the book of Genesis. And in redemptive history, for that matter. This sets the stage. We, we see that he has the authority and the right to do it. He created it all. It tells us enough about God so that we're not shocked or confused or questioning him for what he does in the rest of Genesis. So when we see God kicking Adam and Eve out of the garden, we see the flood, we see fire and sulfur falling down. We need to remember God is in control. God has the authority to do these things. God calls the shots. It's his creation, and he's doing what is good for his creation. When God rescues Lot and his family from Sodom and Gomorrah, when he blesses Abraham and Sarah, when he provides Rebecca for Isaac, we need to go, this is because God is caring for what he created in Genesis 1. He has an invested interest. He has purposes. He has a plan. This is intentional. When we get to the longer story of Joseph, right, we're going to read all these details about Joseph's life. And in the end, what is God doing? He's rescuing everyone from starvation and famine because he has an invested interest in his creation and in his people. So listen, everything in Genesis 3 through 50 hinges on and is dependent on the reality that God created everything in Genesis 1 and it was part of his master plan. Part of his plan to show off his greatness, his faithfulness, and his love for everything he created. And listen, everything in your life, not just in Genesis 3 to 50, but everything in your life, my friends, hinges on and is dependent on the reality that God created you the way he created you, and he owns you, and he's doing things in your life specific for you. So Genesis 1 doesn't just speak to Genesis 3 through 50. Genesis 1 speaks to you today. And we need to interpret and respond to everything that happens in our lives in light of Genesis 1. God is your creator. God has an investor's interest in everything he has created, including you. I mean, it fits what I said last week, and I'll say it again. Genesis 1 and 2 is about God building a set for a play. The earth is his stage the trees and the birds and the sun and the fish and the moon are his backdrop. God casts the actors and he writes the script. And then as the director, he gets up and he is the main actor in the entire drama that is about to unfold. And listen, God is still gathering actors and actresses for his redemption drama. And you're part of it. 
You're part of it. So this is why Genesis 1 exists. And I want to show you this. I want to show you how the Bible is bookended. Last week I showed you how Genesis is bookended. Let's see how the Bible is bookended. We're going to put it on the screen because I know you probably wouldn't have your entire Bible with you. But in Revelation, so we're at the end of our Bible now, one chapter from the end, and it says this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. What is God doing there? He's recreating, isn't he? So your Bible begins in Genesis with God creating, and then it ends with God creating. He creates at the beginning of the Bible, and at the end, he's going to take everything on this earth. It's all going to pass away. The sea is going to pass away, and he's going to make a brand new one. And then he says this. We won't get into all theology here. But, and I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. Where was God's dwelling place in Genesis 1? We'll see it more in Genesis 2. With man. So it begins with God, presence with man. We're ending with God now creating a new earth, a new heaven as a dwelling place for him to be with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. So what does he do in Genesis? Makes all things new. And what does he do in Revelation, the very end of our Bible? Makes all things new. He recreates it all. Only that time, the second time, it's going to be even better. Because we know what happens between Genesis 1 and Revelation 21, don't we? The whole story of redemption, where Jesus, through his blood and his resurrection, redeems for himself a people so that no longer will we, will we be able to sin. We will be sinless. We won't get sick. No more anything negative, bad. And we'll behold him forever and ever on a new earth and a new heaven. Amen? Pretty good news. So, application for this week. Here it is. One morning this week, you need to get up and catch a sunrise. Some of you are like, I do that every morning. <laughs> Some of us don't. So, use your Weather Channel app on your phone. Find out what morning it's going to be sunny. Catch a sunrise. One afternoon, get outside. Some of you guys do this all the time anyway. But Try to drink in God through his creation. Listen to the birds. Let a tree talk to you. Ah, that sounds weird. Okay. <laughs> Study a flower. Find a bug. It's supposed to reveal to you invisible things about God become visible through creation. So do that. And then one night on a clear night, go outside and just look up. Just look up. Try to go somewhere where there's the least amount of light pollution and just look up. That's your assignment for this week. Everyone raise your right hand and say, I promise that I will. I would never do that to you guys. All right. Next week, we're going to talk a little more about Adam and Eve and that little section about God making them in his own image. What we're going to do, though, is we are going to take the Lord's Supper together.
So if you want to go ahead and get out your, um, your bread and your juice or your wine, if you forgot, we do have extra up front here. We're going to actually sing a song while you guys are getting your stuff out. So we'll sing one song.